Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right. You know what that means? That means you're listening to the Mystery of Parenthood. Please, yeah, slow down for a little bit here and uh, and jump on board, and we'll um, hopefully talk about a few things that might be of help. And so um, before we do that, why don't we begin with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John Paul II, pray Pray for for us. us. Holy Family in Nazareth, pray, pray for, for us. us. Welcome aboard. Hey, we're going to talk. I'm sorry. Name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm jumping ahead. It's just because of enthusiasm. You're excited That's right. today. That's right. I'm excited today. It's a uh, it's a beautiful day, and I think it's I think it's important. I you know I'm sitting here talking with somebody just before I came on here um, in the hall, and and I I think the question came up, which I think comes up quite a bit which is, you know, how do you sell this faith that calls for suffering, this faith that calls for for uh, things to not go that well? And, Great question. You know, and and how do we put that up against the people that say, well, get as rich as you can, as fast as you can, and, and enjoy as many things as you can? And, you know. Or do what feels good, whatever what it is. do what feels good, whatever it is. And, and, and I think it's a perspective that is – it's perspective that that we have to have and be able to communicate because that's a really good question. I mean, ultimately, when it gets down to it, the question it boils down to: well, What is this life for, basically, and why am I here? Those are real questions. And then, you know, what happens when my life is over? I mean, I'm getting older. My our, you know, my wife's not, but <laughs> she's amazing. Stay, she's yeah, she's staying the same. But but I but I'm getting older, and and every day goes by faster than the day before and even my kids are saying like my freshman in college is like i had this year is this year over i'm a sophomore already i said buddy just it it just keeps going faster buckle up from here on out and and the faster it goes the more you realize that hey there is a thing that's happening at some point um and it's it's approaching fast even though i don't know when it is i'm gonna die someday that's everybody unless the lord comes back before that um 
I'm dying. Critical. Uh, you know, everybody else is dying. And you can, you, you, uh, and the reality is nobody can deny that. That That's a fact. I mean, there, there's, I don't think there's anybody out there denying that at some point they're going to die. It's just a matter of what we say goes on beyond it. And I think w- what I wanted to focus on was to continue on the, the, the idea of this call to holiness, this idea that we're meant to be saints, because I think it's not said enough. Um, and we're not encouraged enough, but I, but I want people to get excited about what it is. And so I was just looking at, these are the readings from yesterday. Our Lady of Fatima, we asked that she would pray for us, but Our, but Our Lady of F- Fatima on that day, it talks about, it's the gospel was from John. And I, I love this, you know, he, you know, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. We have to remind, I mean, there is something about, there's something about living in union with Christ and through him in union with the father and, and the Holy spirit with the Trinity that is about life in abundance. Um, I think it was St. Irenaeus. It may have been, I think it's St. Irenaeus that has, you know, what it means to be fully human, you know, is to be fully alive, that God wants us to be fully alive, that we're not meant to be just these people who are given these rules and we follow, you know, hey, we go to mass on Sunday and and we we frequent the sacraments and we pray and, and we're just doing things to just get to heaven. Well, I mean, that's the end, but there is something about abundance. Maybe maybe abundance is not the best word, but there is something about being fully alive in this life because of our relationship with Christ. And and I think it's important for us as Christians to actually show that. You you'll know, you know, Jesus leaves and you'll know that they'll know my followers by their love for one another. That's right. I mean, and so there's so much here. And there's another verse that there's another one is one of my favorites. I think I've, I, I talk about it quite a bit, which is later on in, in the, at the last supper, Jesus says, you know, he who believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I go to the father. Whatever you, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I mean, there's some just radical <laughs> connection with Jesus and recognizing that he loves us so much and doesn't want us to be, you know, what was the, what was the Pope Francis, you know, so, you know, like that we've been drinking pickle juice all day. I think that was one of the first images that he says so many Christians, many Catholics go through life, you know, woe is me. Everything's wrong. You know, not, not happy, you know, not joyful. He, but that doesn't mean that God protects us from suffering. So maybe the first thing is the abundant life, the life that Jesus came to give us was to give us meaning in suffering. Like I was telling the people I was talking with about this is everybody talks about, hey, all this, you know, pick up your cross and follow me and all these things that sound. I say, guess what? I mean, whether you believe in, in Christ or you're, whatever faith you may be or, or don't believe in anything, what's the likelihood that that belief or disbelief or lack of belief 
is going to mean that you will not suffer as a result of it. I mean, when was the last time you saw a human being that did that lived any stretch of time that didn't have something that caused suffering? So we're, it's not like we're signing on for something that being human, <laughs> just by being human, we're, we're called to that. So it's not like Jesus is saying, hey, <laughs> you're going to have all this bad stuff happen to you that nobody else will. I mean, the human experience in a fallen world is this. What he came to do was greater things to, to allow us to have meaning in that suffering. And so the great saints can die joyfully. So as a parent, when, when we're talking about being united with Christ and the, the sufferings that may come, another point on that that I think is really important is while you say yes, while I say yes to, to hey, Lord, I want to be a saint, you know, ask our kids to say, I want to be a saint. I know you want me to be a saint. And the only thing is standing in the way is, is my response. Well, guess what that response is? It's the circumstances that come our way. We're not asked to, to be crucified today. We're just saying we're willing for it. And then we have to trust that God is going to provide the graces in that moment for us to actually be able to live it. Even that moment in some sense of joy, you know, or, I mean, I think St. Lawrence, for example, is one of my favorite I think he's paid for St. Barbecues or something like that. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know, and and you know, he even has a sense of humor as he's as he's being effectively grilled to death uh, by. They were literally grilling him. They were literally, they, they had him on a fire on a grill, mm-hmm. and 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 he was able because of God's grace to say, "Hey, you know, the story is that I've that I've heard is he like yells over to him and says, Hey, I think I'm done on this side. You come and flip me over. I mean, um that's the kind of greatness that that we're able to call. Saint Stephen in in his scene, think about that. I mean, what does Saint Stephen do? He gets stoned to death, he gets killed, and what is he able to do? He's able to actually say the words of Christ, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing to be conformed into his image and, and to see the impact of that because it, it's very much pointed out that Saul, who becomes Paul, is there, that, that, that in that moment to see that, that whatever comes our way, God will give us the grace to do it if we just will say yes now. It's a lot easier to say yes when nothing's happening we can worry about that. Well, we shouldn't because we just need to wait for the moment to come, whatever that moment is, and to recognize it and say, hey, I've been prepared for this, that it comes. But most of life is going to be, like we talked about last time, the ordinary stuff. Most of the sacrifices are, hey, I'll get, I'll get up and change the baby. You know, <laughs> why don't you rest a little bit? Or, you know, I'll do the dishes or I'll take the kids to the – Baseball, or, or I'll take the kids out and we'll go play. And you, you have some time by yourself, honey, you know, in some quiet. I mean, those are the crosses that most of us bear most of the time. And so all we're doing is in saying take up the cross is just this. That's why I like in the, in the Passion of the Christ, what, remind, what I love was he would he reached for the cross. Like mm-hmm. it was coming. He knew it was coming, but he he embraced it. He kind of le- leans into the suffering, not because it doesn't hurt, but 
But recognizing that, I think every Christian, every Catholic for sure, in talking about that should have a couple verses in mind. One is Colossians one twenty four, which is, I rejoice now in my sufferings, for I make up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. I didn't read that directly, but uh, but but that's effectively what it says. There's this sense of rejoicing in our sufferings, having joy in sufferings. Listen, you can't wrap your arms around that. You can't wrap your mind around that while you think about, well, things are going really well right now. <laughs> How can I rejoice in my suffering? Well, the fact is you're not suffering right now. But that day will come. And, the, and what I was telling somebody earlier, and I don't imagine, I'm, I'm pretty certain I'm not the only one. My greatest fear growing up was my mother not returning, my mother dying. Talked about this last time, I believe. Yeah. And, and so when, she, when we found out that she had pancreatic cancer and was given three months to live, in, a, in, a, in one of the most... I mean, it was shocking to me. I heard that news, and then all of a sudden there was just this overwhelming sense of peace and joy that came, which was God's – it was, it was the very thing I was most afraid of, and yet there was something being given to me that I needed in that moment that wasn't just like just get me through this thing I've been afraid of, but actually to embrace it and say that. And so what I'm telling – my experience has been to the extent that I have embraced it is that the good news is if we can say yes now to those little bitty sufferings, when that thing comes, that one event that occurs, we could trust that God's going to give us the grace, no matter how afraid of that moment we may have been in our own minds, no matter how much we maybe couldn't have ever imagined that bad thing happening to us, that he will give us the grace in that moment. Think about Peter, right? I mean, look at Peter when he's thinking I can do it on my own. What, you know, I, all may run, but, I, but I'll die with you, Jesus, right? I mean, he boldly says that tonight and he mm-hmm. fails, but he didn't ultimately fail. The, the, reason, the reason that I bring this up, it wasn't his time to do that. And even his failure was part of God's plan with regard to that. But he was able to do it when his time came, right? I mean, he was given the grace to be able to do it when the time came. Uh, who are the the sons of thunder? Is that James and John? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so James and John, right, when they asked to be at the side, you know, do you, can you drink the cup, he says, meaning can you do what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through? And they say yes, not really, certainly not fully understanding what they're doing, which is comfort to us. We, we can say, yes, I'll do what you asked me to do. But those two were martyred as well, died in the image of Christ, persecuted. And they said right. yes early. They said yes often. They said yes during times, certainly because there was times in the Acts when, when it says the church flourished and was growing, and then it goes in and out of persecution and things. So there's good times and bad times. Sound familiar? <laughs> I mean, so I guess what I'm saying is, is that 
we need to be able to say yes in the small things of today, and even yes, I can do that. The good news is Jesus says when they say yes, basically you don't know what you're saying, but you will do it. So it's because of God's will and because of their yes before that they can do it. Why can Mary, the Immaculate One, Our Lady of Fatima, why can she stand at the foot of the cross? Because she said yes long before she fully knew everything that was going to happen and all the suffering that she's going through. But she pondered them in her heart when the things came. What are, that's what we're supposed to do. So we should have a sense of, I can say yes today. Yes, I want to be a saint. I, I can say yes today and say yes tomorrow and say yes down the road and say, Lord, give me that I want to be a saint, but give me the strength in that moment. And while I can you know, conjure up in my mind these, these, I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could go through that suffering. I don't think I could do this. Well, you're not going through it. So don't worry about that. Let today's stuff be for today, but I unite myself with Jesus and, and do it. I, you know, I just went through the, um, have you ever done the consecration? The, like the, the mod for consecration to, to uh, yes. Jesus through Mary. So there's a, there's a prayer that I think, I think is great um, for people to to remember just because it kind of points us to, and I've just started saying this myself. I just found it that I think they call it the, the um, consoler's prayer. Um, and it basically is, um, it basically is these words here. Here, I'm going to read it to you. I mean, a kid could learn this. You and I can learn this. Mary, I want to be a saint. I know that you also want me to be a saint and that it's your God-given mission to form me into one. So, Mary, at this moment, on this day, I freely choose to give you my full permission to do your work in me with your spouse, the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's a short prayer. I mean, Very short. But that's a great prayer because of all the things, you know, you could be praying for, the, the one you know— you know God wants to answer. The one you can, the the yes is already been said. <laughs> I want to be a saint. That, that, that's a not a, uh, you know what, I don't think that's good for you. <laughs> You're not, you know, there's nothing about that prayer that is not a guarantee to already know what the answer is. And that goes back to, personal call to holiness, right? Universal call to holiness. Absolutely. That's We're all being called. Being a saint. Right. And being a saint just means I'm a friend of God. Being a saint means that I am united with him in whatever I'm doing in this moment, no matter whether it's mundane, you know, changing a diaper or just going to work, driving in the car, watching a basketball game or whatever. All those things are all, everything you do in life, if we have the right perspective, is all of value as long as we're saying, I give this to you, Jesus. I, I offer it to the Father through you, with you, and in you, and in union with Mary's Immaculate Heart, well, throw in there as well as we get into the um, consecration of Russia and other things that Fatima, Fatima says to her Immaculate Heart. Why not consecrate ourselves to her Immaculate Heart as well? So, anyway. Yeah, and I think it's important to go back to in that universal call to holiness to look at, um, you know, the concept of real happiness of true happiness. Right. 
because that is what what's going to make us happy is going is is uh, aligning our lives with what is true, good, and beautiful, right? What Absolutely, is, honestly, what was what is truly good, and the highest good is God Himself. Aligning our lives, living our lives in accord with with His Word, with His will. Mm-hmm. So when we when we do that through our actions, through our choices, through the virtues that we um, build within ourselves, then we are putting ourselves and walking on that path of true, lasting happiness. And that is why we can say that pursuing holiness is going to make us truly happy and that we can be happy even when we are suffering. Absolutely. And that and that and I think that it's important to remember that you know, holiness, my definition is is just to be in union with God, to be united. So whatever I do, and again, it's just an act of the will. So is it fair to say that's in the Kashikism? That definition? It's definitely in the Kashikism, and okay. hopefully it's it's close to uh it's close to what the catechism says. But you heard it here. It's that <laughs> that is in that's the Kashikism. It's in the Kashikism with a few other things, like uh it ain't a joke if everyone's not, not laughing. laughing. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, but I think, I think that to be united with God is to, is to, you know, it's not, it's not this holiness. Sometimes you, it's the, you know, the way I pray, the way I look, you know, how I dress. I mean, all those things can be expressions of holiness, but ultimately at its core is, have I united? Have I said, Lord, I give you everything. I give you myself. I give you this day, everything that I do, everything that I think, everything that I say. I mean, that was the one that we did, you know, with the kids when they were younger was, you know, I gave you today all that I think, all that I do, all I say, uniting with what was done on earth by Christ, your son. That's a, you know, nice rhymey, something that a, that a four or five year old could, could use. Mm -hmm. And it's dead on accurate. I'm, I'm just saying I take what I'm going to do today and I'm going to unite it with that. And if you really want to get to, you know, set your timer as an adult and every minute, you know, every let it ding every I watch it, you know, go off every, you know, hour or every, you know, at day at noon and just stop for a minute and say, Lord, I've give everything that I've done to you if, it, if I haven't. And I entrust everything going forward. It doesn't take 30 seconds. It's just a glance. As St. Therese says, what's prayer? It's a glance towards heaven. Mm-hmm. It's not like a litany necessarily. It can be, but, but it's as simple as I'm just, for a moment, glancing upward, raising my eyes, I'm raising word, right? Just for a moment, because God knows you got to work. God knows you got dishes to clean and beds to make and loans well, to make. To or do, I mean, you have to do what is uh, in accord with the state of your your state of life, and that's really important to remember too. Is that that's where I was wrong? I think, and 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 we need to teach our kids whatever the state in life is, you're called to the same holiness, and. In living out that holiness and uniting yourself to him in whatever it is, you know, if if you're a college student, then your job is to go to school, do your homework, do everything you can to make that. That's where you that's where you are. Your happiness, your holiness is found in the struggles. What are your crosses? I got this horrible paper that I've got to get done. Embrace that. Lean into it. It's part of your vocation at the moment 
not, not technically, it's called what you're, where you are right now, live it. You know, don't run from it, live it. And look at where you are at this moment. If you're a high school kid, it's to do this. If you're a you know, football player, a soccer player, or in the choir or theater, do whatever you're doing with all your heart. Just before you do it, just say, Lord, I give this to you. You've given me these gifts. I give them back to you. Right. So real quickly, universal vocation is holiness, holiness. right? And then you've got your three primary vocations, single state, married, religious vocation. And then you've right. got secondary vocation under that, which is like the particular thing that you're doing. Right. So if you're a child, yeah, I mean, primary vocation is single, but then within that, student. Yeah, I mean, student, you know, a, a child of the family, you know, I should be obeying my parents to the best of my ability, trying mm-hmm. to help mom and dad clean up, especially if I've made a mess, you know, do do what I can. Those are the little crosses that you may not want to do that even parents might not let you do. I mean, you, you I mean, but, but a parent should give them the chance to take up their cross. And again, it's, it's a mentality that has to be ingrained in the day to day. So as a parent, you have to, I think, verbalize that there are things that I have to do. I don't like to do, (laughs) but because I'm a dad, because I'm a mom, because I'm, a father because I'm a mother. I'm rec- this is something that I have to do and I don't sit there and think I want to do this, but I know I have to and therefore I can honor God by doing that. Jesus did not, you know, in a sense, he asked to not have to take up his cross, right? He asked if this cup can pass, let it cast, but not, you know, pass, but let it not Well, unless those dishes clean themselves, you got your answer. You know, Take right. up that cross and do it. Unless that bed made itself, right? you know, then God says, go do it. That's what your job is. And we have to maybe build a culture that says there are duties associated with where I find myself in life, that those are the crosses, the, the usual crosses of life. You could have all kinds of things. My mother had cancer. You know, my, I mean, there, there are other major crosses, but most of life— is embracing these small crosses, and they're the practice, so to speak, for mm-hmm. for that. That's right. I was just going to say, you said earlier, uh, it goes back to something you said earlier, in that if you, you're not going to be able to shoulder those bigger crosses if you haven't been shouldering those smaller crosses all the way along. Right. I mean, it's, there, I mean there's so many images you could talk, just even a kid that, could be playing a piano or, I mean, you can take anything that they do. There's always, you start off with small scales. You start off with a smaller weight if you're in weightlifting. You start off playing middle school football. You don't get thrown into the melee of, of varsity athletics or even college athletics, or certainly not pro athlete when you're down here in seventh grade. Thank God. And so God being the best coach ever, you know, God being the best teacher ever, gives us opportunities to embrace those things at moments and in places that we're capable of it. He'll give you the grace to do it so that you can practice saying, Lord, I offer this to you in union with what Jesus offered. You know, I, to practice that so it becomes a habit, something that you, ha- that you do every day or every hour or every moment. And then when that stuff comes, it's just it's 
what what is a habit other than something that you know kind of automatically comes because that's just what you've trained yourself to do well then that's the good news is he's not going to throw you on the cross day one he may never throw you on the cross but all we have to do is say i want to learn and so recognize in those little things that because of who where i find myself am i a 10 year old child there's certain things that a 10 year old child should do if i'm a 17 year old kid that's it if i'm in college there's something if i'm a 54 year old husband and father there're things that i am called to do and those are the great things because they all have value as long as they're united with the perfect right. offering of christ so I, I think it's worthwhile also going back to um, happiness. In Latin, that's yeah. beatitudo. I think you had, yeah, and you and you pulled up. See, so mm-hmm. great minds think alike. And <laughs> so that's why you have the the beatitudes in the Gospels. And sometimes in English, it's, it's translated blessed, but other times it's translated as happy, happy. are. Yeah. So I'm just going to go through Matthew five and just read the state that right. our Lord says makes someone happy and leave off the, for now, the, the reward you might say of going right. through that. Cause I think it's worth, it's, it's instructive to, to hear what he says, it, what kind of experiences or states uh, lead to or produce uh, right. happiness. Okay. Yeah. Read them. So this is Matthew chapter five. Um, Blessed or happy are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and other and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Um, and it's fine. Rejoice and be glad. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but if you just take all of those states that our Lord says conduce towards happiness or a, being in a blessed state, beatitude, um, all of those are, I think one one thing they have in common is selflessness. You know, yeah, putting putting one's self second, putting oneself um, others ahead of oneself. So, I think you're clearly doing that when you're acting as a peacemaker, when you're striving to be pure in heart, when you are giving mercy rather than um, raining down. Right. Um, judgment, let's say. Right. You're you're thirsting for to be righteous in God's sight. You're seeking to be meek. Um, that that's the the opposite of pride, right? Meek, right. Meekness. Um, it's. I mean, the, when you mourn, when you're poor in spirit. I mean, all those things. I think it's important to put to to put those in front of you they all come with a with a promise mm-hmm. um i think the, the the interesting thing is is the, the the first ones are kind of states like so the the poor in spirit those who mourn 
the meek, those who hunger and thirst for for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. Those are all. And then then it's interesting to me that it goes to you know who are persecuted. And when, and it, it kind of, to me, says there's a state of being, and then there's there are, there are times when, you know, you can always be a peacemaker. I mean, you can always be merciful in different ways. I mean, mercy, as I was told, was just, it's love in the middle of suffering. You know, to be, merc- to be merciful is to enter into somebody else's and to, and to try to fill the void that's lacking, that's causing that um the pain. So it's love yeah. in the midst of somebody else's suffering. So, um, but another, when, another meaning uh, is rough meaning is, you know, not giving someone what they truly deserve. Right. Yeah. And, and there's different ways to do it, but, the, but all of that is, is kind of the way you look at, at life. I think that the, the neat thing for me is that he's, he ties a when to this. And so I think that that kind of points to the fact that, it's not all it's not a state it's just that when it does happen when when because maybe because you're being poor in spirit you're being meek you're being a peacemaker you're being these different things that lead to happiness that you there is a moment when you might be persecuted for that and we just have to trust that when that happens that we have the grace to recognize that and that when we recognize it that we're again accepting of it because every one of these has a has a promise attached to it that's right and so maybe a good prayer to learn i mean maybe it's good to to read the beatitudes i've i've seen maybe study those words i mean as a parent you know maybe look up you know what does it mean to be poor in spirit or what is it you know mourning can't always mourn i think maybe when i think of it i'm thinking like when you see sad things or things on the on that's not necessarily associated with you or it's happened to somebody else, we can mourn and say, God, that just makes me so sad. I'm so, uh, that, you know, and, and offer comfort as a result of that, that I think what, what, what God has said is that kind of what you give will be given back to you, you know? And, and I think that that's important for us to keep those words in mind. So, you know, maybe a prayer that you could add is, you know, Lord, make me poor in spirit. Help me to mourn. Allow me to be meek. Um, grant me the grace to hunger and thirst for your righteousness. You know, make me pure in heart. Make me merciful. Allow me to be a peacemaker. All those, all those things are um, things that we need to keep on the, kind of on the forefront of what we're thinking about, you know. I mean, it needs to be part of our culture. Um, in fact, over here at St. Mary's, right over here, you've, you, I think you've got the Beatitudes right next to the Ten Commandments. That's true on the, uh, on the big, plaque outside on the of plaque the, outside. The, par- the parking lot. That's right. So I think that's kind of to remind us as we go out to the parking lot out there, you know, <laughs> it doesn't stop at the, at the church. We have to go out and live it. So we're, again, we have to have the eyes of faith as parents to recognize this is what we're called and then see moments that our children find themselves in moments that we're in. So like a peacemaker, if you, if you find that the kids are arguing or whatever, you could bring out the peacemaker, you know, say, well, how, you know, how could you do this? Because this is something that will make you happy and then walk them through maybe, or ask them, Hey, so the next time that you see your brother and sister in argument and you're there, 
how can you be a peacemaker? What might be something that you would do? And have them think about that. Pray for the Holy Spirit, for the child, and for yourself. But but see that, but articulate that this is it. So that because it, you don't need them to figure it out. <laughs> you need to articulate it. You know. You know. I was. This is a way and aside, but I think it's worth saying. My mother in law used to tell the story about her going to pick up the Lord and to bring to the sick from from the tabernacle in a chapel. And she she walking out, and there's a there's a I can't do a Cajun accent. I wish Matt, Stephanie was here <laughs> to do it. But there's there's a an older man who is sitting there thumbing his his rosary praying and they as she's walking out with the lord to go take communion to somebody who's sick he said hey lady um you're the fourth person i've seen um you're the fourth person i've seen today go and get something out of that box what's what's in that box <laughs> <laughs> and so what I'm saying is, is that some, somehow that guy learned that he should be going there and have his rosary and be there. But somebody needed to articulate to him at some point during his life. There's that's, that's, that's a tabernacle. Number one, let's use the words. And number two, that's Jesus body, blood, soul, and divinity looks like a piece of bread, but it's really him. And, Again, I think sometimes we presume as parents that our kids are getting it, that they're that they're somehow know this. You need to constantly remind them. I mean, I was talking to somebody just a little bit ago about he was saying, "Well, how do you you know how come why how can you tell somebody what we believe is any different than what they believe? Why is it better to be a Christian than to be someone else?" And I was like, "It's pretty simple. Jesus." Called a shot, you know. That's that's catechism. That's catechism. <laughs> Jesus called a shot. He, he called a shot, made it. Yeah, he, he he said, "I'm going to be killed by people, and then I'm going to rise from the dead." You know, and a lot of people may have said stuff like that before. In fact, there was there have been some people who've said that, and they never did, but he did, and that is the foundation of our faith because he did. That is his signature that says, "I'm not just." A man, I am a hundred percent man because then rising from the dead wouldn't mean anything. I mean, if it, if if I didn't have my humanity, they could be killed. But I'm a hundred percent God because I, unlike anybody else, can with the Father and the Holy Spirit rise from the dead in my humanity. We have to be able to articulate why do we believe what we believe. Well, ultimately, I keep. Ask your kids daily if you want to be a saint. What? Ask your kids why do we believe what we believe? Well, because you know that's what Father So and So says. No, <laughs> you know even that's what Jesus says. Well, why do we believe what Jesus says? Because he rose from the dead. Because he is still alive. Because he is offering himself every day in every mass. So when we go to mass, we are in his presence—body, blood, soul, and divinity as he and his humanity is sitting at the right hand of the Father. What I'm saying is those things cannot be articulated enough because I've been amazed. And it shouldn't surprise us because we're the same way. I've been amazed at, you know, how many times have I said, why do we believe? The answer is because Jesus is God. Why do I know that Jesus is God? Because he walked on this planet as a human. He died. He rose from the dead and now sits at the right hand of the Father. Nobody's ever found his body. 
<laughs> 500 people when he was walking around after he had died. I mean, that's why we believe. We're so far removed that it becomes kind of an intellectual, you know, ascent thing. But, I mean, the reality is we need to remind ourselves that what's in that box, <laughs> you know, we need to remind ourselves that we're not just in there thumbing right. a rosary just because that's what we're supposed to do. What, albeit that, I mean, that, that that's Jesus is there whether he believes it or not. And therefore, Jesus probably allowed her to walk in there and prompted him to say, well, what's in there? And that is that little small interchange between two people in an adoration chapel. There's holiness. <laughs> That's how simple it is. That's how uneventful it is. We, we need to stop thinking that you, you may be called to be a martyr. You may be called to have your head chopped off for that but but in reality in reality we've got to start saying that holiness is living the life that's in front of us in union with jesus in a way that allows him to act and others to see him in our actions that's catechism too i think what, what uh, number do you i don't know like 2258 2258 okay cash <laughs> 2258 you heard it here uh, yeah but 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 i do but i think that that's that's where joy comes that's where happiness comes yeah. we've got to start saying hey there's not a moment in your day no matter what it is that's not capable of being something special even though nobody else has any thought that that making your bed is something special or doing the dishes or or doing the homework doesn't matter what it looks like and the faith itself says Jesus was an ordinary looking guy nothing really special he's given us in the eucharist his body blood soul and divinity in what looks like a cracker nothing special right everybody could have that yeah now that just prompted me because we're talking about the ordinary uh not getting to uh, see uh, amazing things, and that brings me back to, of course, Thomas. Yeah, and what it, we're talking about blessedness and right. happiness, and what does our Lord say to Thomas after Thomas drops down on his knees and gives the most incredible statement of faith in the whole Gospels? He says, "My Lord and my God." After he's able to put his fingers in our Lord's right. side, but Christ says, "You have believed because you have seen me." Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And so that's for every single one of us that Absolutely. we get. <clears throat> so maybe we we might be tempted to think, well, how come there's not, you know, how come I don't get to see the resurrected Christ walk through this wall? And why don't I get to put my fingers in his side? And why don't I get yeah. to be present for the, you know, the ascension? And what our Lord says is, I did those things at a particular point in time so that almost so that you can be blessed on, in, a, in a way unlike even my apostle Thomas and those who were with him there. He's, he's calling and saying, you actually are more privileged because you're believing without seeing. You're believing with the eyes of faith. Right, and he and, and I think I think he. It's actually, a huge privilege. It is a huge privilege. I think I think in addition to that, it's like in that it, with it, I think it's Philip in the Last Supper it says, you know, show us the Father, and Jesus says, 
If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right. Right. Are you well, not getting this? <laughs> what's that? Yeah, yeah. Are you? I mean, it, there's not. A, I mean, we are different people, but what you see in me is what, and that's what we're called to as parents. But I think that again, this is something we have to train our children. We have to train ourselves. Yeah. To this, because because listen, the last judgment, the last judgment. Go to the end of Matthew. Go to Matthew 25, and he's se- separating the sheep from the goats. And then he says this, he says, then the king, he's talking about himself, will say to those at his right hand, come, O blessed of my father, happy of my father, those that are happy, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food and I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then they will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And then the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And then he flips it over and says, depart from me. And when you were, when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me drink. And they say the same thing. When did we not do it. And he said, when you did not do it to the least of these, my brethren, and we get a hint in this Easter season, when Paul is knocked off of his, you know, (laughs) not really, but you know, it's always the image of him being knocked off his horse. Why are you persecuting me? Okay. And he's saying, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus of Nazareth. I'm the, the one you are persecuting. Well, they're persecuting. He's persecuting other people. Okay, I think what we have to raise our children and we have to raise our standards to recognize that the way Jesus makes himself present is not only in the sacraments in, in we need, they need to know that what's in that box. <laughs> they don't right. need to be asking somebody walking out what's in that box. Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity under the accidents, under the sign of a piece of bread is there. In the priest that gives them absolution, there Jesus is. In our spouse and in that in that is the person. But hey, that kid at school that's crying because their parents are getting divorced, there he is. <laughs> that that kid who is struggling to make friends and you and you reach out to him, there he is. We have to have, that's where charity is built up is when we start to recognize Jesus in the people that we're put in contact with. We have to teach that. My mom, you know, I used to say, how can you hug these people you don't know? And, you know, she's towards the end of her life. I asked her that and she was like, because I can see Jesus. And she started weeping. There, there he is. Well, there's a... When you can get to the point where you can be asking God, let me see Jesus in the people that I meet. Well, what happens in a family? Where is Jesus in the family? In my spouse, in mom, in dad, in my brother, in my sister. When am I feeding them? Well, when I'm helping them with the cooking or when I'm sweeping the floor or when I'm doing something that they would have to do if I didn't do it. Right. That's, that's, we we have to right our greatest, our greatest misperception is that we we don't start the beatitudes 
and uh, Matthew 25 in our family. That's where we should right. start. It. it should. It should. And that's where. And so you have to, again, articulate it. Obviously, the guy knew that he was supposed to be or, or that, that that's a good place to go pray. <laughs> but he, nobody had actually taught him what it was. We have to go that extra effort to actually explain to them. So, and anyway. I think I think the explaining, you know, that fits really well with a couple of your um, seven secrets. seven secrets of purposeful parenting. Thank you of you know um, telling stories, right. of reading and writing mysteries. Yes, um, there's a there's there's several of them that have to do with explaining. Um, yeah, coaching. You know, we they're good. We're coaches. Too, right? Keeping the main thing, the main thing. I mean, all those play into this idea of of articulating, explaining, taking, you know, especially that reading and writing mysteries idea of that's where you take the take some kind of ordinary event and you you kind of take it apart and put it in a larger context and show them that a, God either a wider context in in terms of the human dimension or in a in a vertical dimension with our eternal destiny, you know, or scripture, you know, salvation history, you can do all those kinds of different contextualizing of the ordinary. Yes. Um, and you, and you make yourself better able to do that as a parent by studying your Catholic faith, by reading the scriptures daily, by studying the li- man, studying the lives of the saints is so right. helpful, for, helpful, for, helpful for that too. And pray, ask, for the eyes of faith, ask, you know, I, I try to say, you need to ask, give me the eyes of faith to recognize you and the people that I meet this day and grant me the grace to be you. So Lord, let me see you and grant me the grace to be you, to say what you would say and do what you would do. Because ultimately that's, that's where it is. And that's a prayer that I think God again will answer because that's what great saints do. You look at any of them. How, why did why did Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta? She said, "Because Jesus is in the the poorest of the poor, right?" I think all of them. Why was he she able to actually link eyes and be so committed? People said when you were talking to her, you felt like you were the only person in the world. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm awful at that. Mm, yeah, me too. Because <laughs> I'm thinking about other things. But if you if that's Jesus. That's what you do. So we have to pray for that, and then we have to try to practice it. Right. And we talk to our our older children. We are we're always saying, you know, you got to take care of the least ones, like your little brothers and sisters. Those exactly. those, those are, are your least. least ones. Absolutely. You got to look after them. And parents, you got you got that. So anyway, I think that um, hopefully this has been helpful. I think it's really important. Uh, remember um, that we are all called to sainthood. Um, we're called to um, to become great saints. And to become who we are, so we're not any different. And and just do that by the little things and through the faith and recognizing Jesus at work in our lives. So I don't know if that's a helpful. Anyway, well, God bless you guys. So remember, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. And he will. He does reign. 